I think if you turned off that Instagram, Facebook, you might get a little peace where you you know you would feel less stressed about what other people are doing.、Um, I mean, you always want to set yourself up for success. So you know, if you if you don't get into med school right after college, like and you take that gap year, like that's probably gonna be the best year of your life, right? Welcome everybody to I wish they taught that in school. I'm your host Mike Mulek. I ask people what they wish they were taught in school, and this is what they said. Just trying to think. I don't know. Let's keep it real. Whatever. Do you curse? You can. Yeah. Okay. I'll try、right. not to. But sometimes the things cut out. <laughs> All I, right. I, I say your other video. I, I listened to your、uh, your other one yesterday. Your other.、Uh, It was good, like with that guy who was the teacher, Colin. He,、uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was nice. It was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah, we're ro- we're we're rolling. Good to have you here. That's awesome. Thanks for doing this. Okay, you're welcome. Yeah, I'm ready. Is... Ready? Oh yeah, we're rolling. Oh, we're、it's、rolling.、Going. Okay, good. All right, good.、It's, so, so tell me, happening. tell me, it's it's happening right now.、Didn't、it's happening it. in in real life. It's in. I didn't even know it started. Didn't even <laughs> know you shot the gun off. All right. <laughs> So you know, so you know, you and I were talking the other day about like you know, you know these kids, and、uh, you know, with some interns now at the hospital I work at, and、uh, you know, they did their third and fourth year by Zoom. So the first day they were ever in a hospital was、uh, this July first, which is crazy to me because I mean, you, you, they missed out on a an opportunity during that pandemic, right? I mean,、uh, like you could you could have learned so much, you could have got to do so much. You know, put IVs in people and intubate people, and you know, read X-rays, and they they just basically did like their surgery rotation by Zoom, and、uh, you know, all these other rotations just by you know, taking people's history and asking questions. No, you know, physical exams at all. No,、uh, you know, getting in the in the in the weeds and you know, delivering babies or. Yeah, I think that I mean that's a. This is such an interesting thing, and I think a lot of people probably have maybe a lot of different opinions on it. But I don't think it was I don't think it was the students' choice that they were blocked out.、Uh, I mean, even if they even if they didn't want to do it, I, I think that that decision was probably made. And I don't even know if it was the administrators if they that they they might have felt like they were obligated to go along because there was this widespread. Decision, like you know, we're shutting everything down. But I don't. When I think back about what happened, I think back about what happened in the Spanish flu, nineteen nineteen eighteen. You know, who were the who were the people that were running the、uh, all these like ventilators? I think it was a lot of the medical students had had volunteered. You may have to fact check that, but yeah, it had to have been. But that was a, that's an that was there was there was no doubt about it. There was an op, like we there were doctors and nurses were short staffed. We were busier. I mean, after the initial lockdown, we were busier than ever. We were we were extremely busy. And I remember we had a, a situation where I had I wanted I wanted to have、um, I wanted to have some、uh, people come to the operating room. And they were working anyway. They were already working in the hospital. It's not like they were observers or students, but they needed to get some innovation help. And they said, "Now、oh, we couldn't, we couldn't do it." And you know, so I, there was a lot of weird stuff that had happened. But
as far as the students that I don't know, they had three that third and fourth year all over Zoom. I yeah, don't know how I mean, they're gonna I don't know crazy. how they're gonna make up for that. You they they missed out on a, a world of knowledge and real life experience. So you know, when I remember distinctly, like when I was a third year uh, med student and I did my surgery rotation at a place called St. Clair's Hospital, which is in New York City in that Hell's Kitchen area. I think it closed down by now, but I remember like being like 25 years old, like, like uh, you know, 1130 at night, New York City, Saturday night. All my friends are out of, you know, bars and clubs and I'm disimpacting, a, you know, a a stroke victim who had a giant belly with an intern and I was just throwing up and laughing at the same time. Cause like, you know, like what else can you do? Uh, I just remember thinking like, God, I hope someday this is worth it. Like, like, what am I doing? Like, you know, all my friends are out at bars and, you know, working for banks and, you know, making a lot of money and having fun. And I just remember thinking like, God, I hope this is worth all the trouble I'm going through. I don't know. I think it just kind of, you know, it kind of makes you bulletproof when you, when you're, you know, you're learning trial by fire, you know, first time I ever stuck someone with a, in an IV to draw blood and, and it, for a fact, they were like HIV positive. Like that, that's scary as hell. The first time you're trying to draw blood off somebody. And I kind of just, I don't, I think that, that it's this real world stuff that, you know, everything nowadays like is virtual. And I think the problem kids have, will have is adjusting to real life because things aren't always, you know, you don't always get a do over. You don't always get a, a second chance or a second try or a reset. Sometimes you just gotta, you know, with the same med school, see one, do one, teach one. You just gotta, just gotta, you know, jump feet first into the fire. And I don't know. I think nowadays a lot of kids are just missing out on that. You know, that safety is, is a priority over uh, like the freedom to, to, to try and fail. You know, everyone, everyone's worried about having safety, but you know, I don't take think anyone worried. Take us worried back to, Take us back to uh, college for you. Did you, um, or maybe before that, did you always know that you wanted to be a doctor? Um, well, you know, my parents and sisters all went and became teachers. So uh, that was kind of like, uh, I just knew I didn't want to become a teacher. I had two uncles that were uh, in medicine. One was a OBGYN, the other one was a pediatrician. I kinda, always kind of looked up to them and thought, hey, you know, that could be a good, great career growing up. Um, so when I was in med school, I sorry before that in um, you were you, so you grew up in Long Island, Long Island, yeah. Where, where you, went to you, you're thinking about medical school in high school, yes, yeah. Okay. So with the college for biology, which a lot of people do, you know, kind of when you t- take certain majors. What, in, what, uh, wait, in, what was it that? How did you? How did you know that? Or what or sort of what was it that when you sort of knew, like, okay, I'm going to be a doctor? Like, was there a was it a a, a moment? Or was mm-hmm. it a class or? No, I just, for me, it was, you know, I had two people in my family that did it and I, I just kind of admired them and it looked like a, 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 you know, a fun career helping people and, and, uh, you know, it was a good you know lifestyle and you felt like at the end of the day, you felt like you accomplished something and, uh, you know, you could either be, you know, have careers where you help people, whether you're a fireman or a policeman or a, or a doctor, or you could have, you know, other careers where you're kind of, you know, working for a bank and working and looking out for number one. And I don't know, that just, that never really appealed to me, you know, being like in like, you know, whether it was finance or banking or any, any kind of stuff, wearing a suit, going, you know, I don't know, it just never really appealed to me. Okay. So then, uh, so college, so where did you go to college then? Uh, uh, I went to college, University of Delaware. 
Okay. With the idea of applying to medical school. So you majored in biology. Yeah. Which a lot of people do just because if you're in, you don't have to be a biology major to get into med school. You could be anything. You could be an English major. You could be a chemical engineer. You could be whatever you want. Math major. Well, back when, uh, when we were doing it, we actually, we had a curriculum that we had to, the medical students wanted us to do. Right. We had to do the organic chemistry and gen chem. Like now a lot of schools don't require some of these things. Oh, you do have to take your MCAT, but right. I think when well, you and I were doing it, most of the med, med schools said, okay, we want to see this. We want to see physics. We want to see organic. Right. Yeah. It, it made it eat when we were in school, it made it, if you're a biology major, it made it easier to get into the classes that you needed to, to, uh, to get into med school. So through a biology major, you got, you know, biology 101, 102, organic chemistry for two years, chemistry, general chemistry for two years, physics, calculus, English. That, that was kind of part of the curriculum and that kind of just made it easier to, you know, if you weren't a biology major and you were a whatever English major, you might not be able to get into that organic chemistry class just back then. So a lot of people went that way, you know, just because, you know, they want to be a physical therapist or a, you know, a physician or, it just kind of made it easier if you, you know, if you were a biology major, but nowadays things might be different. So did you have any doubts about the path during the college or did you? Yeah. I mean, I, I remember, I remember, you know, feeling, you know, taking some tests and, you know, cellular molecular biology and thinking, you know, I, I don't want to do this. What's the point of this? You know, like, you know, I, I could, you know, do something else, become a lawyer, or, you know, go into, uh, you know, the finance world or something like that um you know when, when we were in college when did you graduate 99 uh, co college yeah 97 97 all right so i came in 99 i remember i i like email and dot-com bubble was booming and all that kind of stuff so you know when we were you know when i was in college that all that stuff was booming so you know if you came out and worked for some dot-com company you could have made a gazillion dollars so yeah it was tempting at the time but uh, you know, it was kind of a small window where I was like, ah, I don't want to do this. But then I thought about it and, you know, I was, you know, I was invested in it and I, I did yeah. want to do it. So, so, so did you, uh, go straight into school or did you have any? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I got, when I graduated, um, I got in, uh, right away. So I didn't have that gap year or, um, you know, have to work in a lab or you know, get a master's or any of that kind of stuff. I just went straight through, um, which, you know, has, it's good points. And it's, you know, it was kind of easy. You just keep going through school. You never had that year where you were making money and paying rent and, you know, having fun. It was kind of like you just kept going. And, uh, you know, med school, the first two years is pretty rough. And then, you know, third year, fourth year, you're out doing rotations. It's a little, you know, easier. Um, but now, it, what you, uh, so you obviously, you must've applied to the MD schools and the DO schools at that first year then. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And you went, yeah. So, so I went, you know, I was a New York state resident. So I, I applied to all those New York state schools in that area. And I applied to all over the country. Um, you know, at that time, um, you know, if you were certain states gave you preference, you know, if you were a resident of that state, you know, like, so say you were a California resident, you would be priority to one of those uc schools out school and uh, i was a new york state resident so there's all those suny schools there's a state university of new york 
Um, but I ended up going to a college. Uh, I'm from Long Island. And uh, so I went to NICOM, which was an osteopathic med school in uh, Long Island. Um, and that just, you know, they accepted me. And I didn't take any breaks and I just went straight through. Are you using any of that osteopathic techniques these days? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Putting do it, doing a doing an epidural on a lady, uh, it it actually helps. You know, palpating people's you know backs and you know finding where you get the space you need to go and doing nerve blocks and it just kind of it got it was easier for the third year and fourth year when you're doing rotations with other um, people from other you know MD schools, you know allopathic schools. Um, because right, you always get your they, hands on the patient. Yeah, yeah, like putting your hands on you know, on someone, listening to their chest, or you know, feeling their arm. You just you, you just used to doing it. It's not like it was a you know a foreign idea, or you know, you you worried about you know, oh my, you know, pushing your back too hard. It just you just it just came natural. So certain things nowadays, where you do nerve blocks, you do epidurals or spinals, um, it actually it, it helps it that way. You know, I don't manipulate anyone like they teach it in school, but um, it, it did help. It didn't hurt. I can tell you that it didn't hurt. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm still doing that stuff all the time. Just not, not on my patients, but, yeah. uh, colleagues at their, uh, sore muscles, uh, my wife, family, they all, <laughs> they always like do, do a little bit of that, that osteopathic stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, it, it, it feels good if you, your neck's bothering your back's hurting you, but, I think it's something you got to keep up with. You know, you can't just do it once and and have it work and then just never do it again. Um, but I, you know, I, I there was, you know, back then, I don't know how it is now. There was a stigma between DO and MD, and I guess in Texas where I, I'm, I'm practicing now, like it's the same medical license. There's no like DO medical license and MD medical license. It's the same medical license. So you have a Texas medical license. It doesn't matter if you went to a DO school or MD school. It doesn't make a difference. It's the same license. Yeah, we have uh, we have different licenses in uh, California, but it seems like the only time it it was really an issue was, I think, before and then during school, and it was really an issue of our own minds. I mean, honestly, yeah. the the you can DOs can practice in all fifty states, and then able to go for i mean you know then you went to uh, after medical school you went to yale for right. anesthesiology so yeah and, and it, at the time when in you know when i graduated med school it was what 2003 there were i think five states that we had to do like some traditional osteopathic internship if you wanted to practice in that state and at the time it was like you know michigan pennsylvania I forget, you know, I forget the other states, Florida. but I think Florida yeah, is one of them. Yeah, maybe one of those. But at you know, we do an anesthesia re residency your first year is your internship year. You, you could do it in whatever you want, uh, either you know internal medicine or surgery or uh, one of those traditional osteopathic internships. And I did one just because I didn't know where I wanted to live. You know, I didn't want to. You know, you, as long as you did one, it kind of opened up, you know, opportunities for you. Are they still uh, are they still enforcing that rule? I don't even know how they would enforce that. Like if I wanted to go to Florida, because I didn't, I did a general surgery year. You know, I'm not. I did so I, long I, ago. I can't yeah, imagine that they it's would. Been tw Twenty years. I, I I don't know. 
I honestly don't know. Yeah. You know, it, it, so it, much it's, has changed. Uh, it's, it's funny. Cause like the, the hospital where I did my uh, internship with was called Long Beach medical center. It was on, on the South shore of Long Island. And in, in uh, it got destroyed during that hurricane uh, Sandy. Yeah. So like that, that hospital doesn't even exist anymore. It's yeah. gone. You know? they lo- so they, if we wanted to ask for your, uh, your uh, your record, your diploma. My diploma, I have to they, show it they, to you. <laughs> they wouldn't be able to produce a, a duplicate. Yeah, I, I think you're in some database now because I did. You know, we get privileges at different you know surgery centers now. They ask for it, and there's some database, so they just look it up, and it's the AOA will show like, you know, the American Osteopathic Association will show you like, oh, he did his uh, internship, but this year it's verified in yeah. Long Beach Medical Center, and it says something like, uh, you know closed in whatever 2009 or whenever it closed down i think i probably would have that we might have a few listeners that might be wondering uh you know why would you why why did you go to a do school and i know that you just talked about how it, it the the, well, the differences I, you know, it, are so small it, but yeah I mean, I mean well when i was applying back in what 98 1998 um, you know, I applied to both and I got waitlisted at some and I got into one and I didn't want, you know, I didn't want to, you know, yeah, you, you had three opportunities. You had allopathic schools, which is MD school, you had an osteopathic school, which is in the United States, or you could go to like the Caribbean, like, um, uh, what's that school in Ross, you know, like Ross or like, you know, in the Grenada, you know, yeah, Grenada, I, know you I know, know many people that have, that have gone to Ross. Yeah. Right. So. So if you went that, so if you, you know, if you went to MD school in the U.S., you, you do an internship and there was some deal though, when, if you were, went to school in a different country, you had to do rotations in the U.S. and then you might have to do this fifth pathway year. I don't know. It just seemed, it seemed kind of, I didn't know, you know, I don't know. I didn't even explore that route, but I yeah, know people, got- I know people who did, who've done it. I work with some of my colleagues now who did it. And, uh, you know, they had a good experience with it, but I think it's a harder road to go. Yeah. If you're going to go international. Oh, totally. Yeah. It's, it's definitely harder. So, um, you know, so at the time I got waitlisted, I got into one and boom, like I just went, I, I didn't, you know, I just, why not give it a shot? So I mean, at the end of the day, you're still a doctor. So, you know, it doesn't make a difference. It doesn't make a difference. So what was medical school like? A lot of. A lot of my students would are uh, they're chomping at the bit to get into school. Well, and one thing was it. Did you have fun or was it just no. all uh, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, not it was fun? Not, no, I, I, you know, the funniest thing was that, like, you know, you go to college, you think people are, you know, uh, you know, gunners, and everyone's like trying to get an A. I mean, you go to med school; it is a whole different class of people. You are going to school with everyone was the head of their class gunners like cutthroat uh you know the, you know i remember studying for the first test and being like yeah, i kind of you know i got it i mean these people were memorizing textbooks like oh page 42 at the top left corner you're like holy crap like the, these people knew their stuff and you know everyone was the top of their class very cutthroat um and you know you know in college you might take a whole semester to go through like one book i mean in med school you're reading three textbooks a week right i mean like where i was in school 
you would have every Monday you would have exams and, uh, you know, say you're doing like cardiology, like your second year, you do like cardiology test in the morning for three hours. And then, uh, you did cardio pathology test, and then you'd have to go to the lab and look under slides and, you know, say that this is, you know, you, you know, they would just pass the slides, slides around. You have like a minute to write down what it is. So, I mean, like your weekends were shot because you had to study all weekends and month, you know, you study all night and then you take a test and, you know, you might, you know, Monday after test, like go to a bar and have a drink with your friends. But I mean, you're shot. You're totally shot. So that's what I re- I remember from medical school. It's like there the the weekends. There was no going out on the weekends. No, it was it was because we had I, we always had a test Monday morning. So it's like we, we basically just everyone went. He was at the library. And I was like, wow, like this is what I'm doing with my 20s. And yeah, totally. It sucked. The rest of our friends are, you know, out yeah. drinking, dating. Um, oh, totally. Yeah, totally. Did you Do, date, were you dating at all in med school or? Yeah. So so when I was in med school, I had a girlfriend from co- college. Yeah. But I, I wasn't in the dating scene. Um, it would have been really hard. It would have been really hard. It's tough. It's tough. to. to it it would have been the first two years of med school would have been impossible. Like, you know, back then it was. If you were a single person, like you, you just didn't have time. Like you, you had no time. Like you, you didn't have time for yourself. Did you? And, uh, did you? So they call this the monastic life, where you're, you're just got this one focus, and you're so focused. And it's like yeah. I, I haven't been able to have that. And then you know, now, now that I, I have, I have a wife and I have two kids, and it's like to have a single focus like I did during no like medical school is. Uh, <laughs> oh man. Of. I, I would say if you were graduating college, it is the first two years of med school are the most selfish you have to be in your life where you got to put everything, everything takes a backseat to just getting through the next week, the next test, right? I mean, if you have some, you know, plans, you, you're not going to make it. If you, if you, if you, I don't know how people, like, I know people have, they had kids in med school at first. I, I just don't know how they did it. Like, how, like now that I know what I know, like, how can you take care of a child and at the same time be up all night for a week studying for some neuro, you know, neuro, neurology exam or something like that, you know, like, so I, I, I would, I would tell if anyone's thinking of going to med school, just if you're in a relationship, you got to prepare the person you're with. Like, I, I can't go, I can't go out on the weekends. I, I, and the first two years you're, you're going to have to be, selfish just to get through that time i don't know how you i don't know how people did it who are you know a lot of people get divorced in their in their med school a lot of people get break up with their girlfriends or boyfriends or um it's just because you just have no time you you have to be selfish for your career in those first two years it gets a lot better the third year fourth year but uh, yeah but then it gets worse again internship i thought was pretty rough yeah i mean you know, you and I met during the residency and, uh, you know, you're tired all the time. I, I think, you know, they changed the rules, right? So like when we started, they started with that 80 hour work week. I don't even know what to have now. Um, but, you know, we used to have to get, you'd be at work at what, 6.30, 6.45 in the morning. First case in the OR at what, 7, 7.15. So, I mean, if you want to have a life during residency, like, you know, I always tell you like, dude, let's go out. Like, you know, it doesn't, really, like, we're going to be tired. Like, who cares, man? Love you you're gonna be tired. Like, like you're gonna be tired. Like that's not gonna change. Like let's just go out of it. Tuesday night. Like like let's let's have a life. Otherwise, it is so easy to fall into that trap of 
get home from work, eat something, watch TV, go to sleep, get up early, repeat. Right. I had, a, was- I, I had an, so this is interesting. I had a, a friend and I were talking about this a couple of years ago. He's a, he's a surgeon. And he said, he commented on sort of the, the way in which we would, we would do stuff post-call, like especially in residency or even after, but you know, you'd be up all night and you're like, okay, you got your one day off. And we would go. I, I remember when I was an intern, I was like, I'm going skiing. It's my only day. And I know I'm tired. And then yeah. that it kind of changes the type of person that you are where you're like, okay, like I, I've got this window of opportunity. I don't want to, I don't want to miss it. No, totally. Cause, cause at that point in your life, you're, you're 25, 27, 29, however, you know, you gotta, you can't be the guy who falls asleep on the couch at, you know, and sleeps the whole night and you want to, you know, sometimes, you know, you could be up for 35 hours in a row. And I remember one time I was driving home and I, I fell asleep at a stoplight two two stoplights from my house, just because I, w- I was up for almost 48 hours, you know? So, um, you know, if you're that tired, you go to sleep, but a lot of times, you know, take a little quick, learn how to power nap, take a little nap, get up, do stuff because you really don't have that much time to, to have a life outside of work. And, you know, a lot of people, they got into trouble with, you know, addictions and opiates and all that kind of stuff. Cause I feel like they just never had a life outside of work. I mean, you and I went to a, I don't know if you remember that guy, uh, but he, you know, he was, you know, they found him like shooting up in, in the call room and, I don't know. It, like it ruined the guy's life. I mean, I, that guy. I never saw him out. I never saw him, you know, do anything outside of work. So maybe who knows? Maybe you get depressed and you know you try something. But you got to have a life outside of work because it can't just be work. Because you'll be miserable, right? I mean, everyone needs to find an escape, you know, in whatever way you can. But um, you know, I think if you're just out, there's a good good way to do it and a bad way to do it. Um, yeah, absolutely. I I think I mean I think everybody needs a couple things. You need a you need sort of an intellectual, you know, you need intellectual stimulation. You need you need friends. You know, you got to be able to have like social life, but you also need like physical, like good physical activity. And you'll you'll you know I I, t- I try to tell the medical students this. I tell the college students this, but I'm like, you're gonna do better if you if you try to exercise every every day. Yeah. And rather than have a cup of coffee, like in the evening, do like a 20 minute jog, you'll get this central sort of like this surge of, of catecholamines and it'll wake yes. you up and you can study for another hour or two. Whereas coffee is a peripheral stimulant. Yeah, And then you true. sleep better. You sleep better if you exercise, but yeah, I mean, you know, in med school, it's hard to, you know, but you got to do it. Like, you know, I joined the gym just because on a few days a week that I could do something, I just want to be physically active doing something. Otherwise, you know, you eat, to, you know, you sleep, you eat, you work, you, you know, a lot of people gain a lot of weight, they get depressed and they, you know, they just don't feel like doing anything. But, you know, I know like when you, you and I were in the sea, like, you know, we, we would do stuff. We'd go out, we'd, we'd you know, we, you know. Are, are your hours uh, better now? Then, or as a resident, or are they similar? It's different. It's no, there's no one to, you know, uh, there's no one to protect you. Like when you're a resident, when we were there, you had this 80 hour work week. Um, you know, for me, it just depends on, you know, how 
the day goes. So when you're on call, you're the last guy to go home. And if something happens in the middle of the night, you got to do it. And you got to work the next day. You got to work Sometimes. the next day. Yeah. I've yeah, had... some, yeah. Some days are good. Some days are bad. Some, you know, they're usually more good than bad. Some days will just, you know, there's a, something different happens though. After you've been doing a career like this for, you know, 10, 20 years, the, the mental load goes down the bandwidth that I dedicate towards even difficult cases is that I don't, I'm not mentally and emotionally exhausted because I've already done these cases, you know? Yes. Yeah. And, and you, you get into a rhythm where you're just used to like, for me, like I don't even want to know what I'm doing tomorrow. I just want to show up and do it because I don't want to worry about it. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, you know, lose sleep over it. I'm just going to show up early and then tell me what I do and I'll, and I'll go do it. Like, I, you know, I know some people who, who worry about it, and, you know, make, you know, no, it's good. You get to a certain point in your career where you're just like, you can handle anything. There's nothing, there's nothing someone's going to throw at your way. That's, that's going to, you know, throw you for a loop. You know what you're doing. It's just, you're on autopilot. So um, I think that's one thing though, you get, as you get further along your career, you get more confident in your skills and you get more, um, Everything's on autopilot. You get you get better at being efficient. Uh, like, you know, I know anesthesia, which you and I do. I know if if you're like I would say, if you <laughs> think of becoming an anesthesiologist, like if you're early or on time, and you don't cancel anything for for you know stupid reasons, and you're efficient and you do things quick, like the and you're nice. The surgeons love you like they just love you like because there's a lot of you know, a lot of people we work with surgeons are difficult you know difficult personalities and if you're just nice and you just you know you know you're able to shoot the shit and keep them happy and be on time and you know not make everything a big deal just make it look easy like they love you now why did you why anesthesia was that did you figure that out early on in medical school so no, no. So here's what here's the way it works for med school. So you do your first two years in the classroom, and then the third year, um, you go work do rotations in the um, hospital. And I, I'm pretty sure this hasn't changed in the last 20 years. So you would do six weeks pediatrics, six weeks OB, six weeks psychiatry, six weeks family practice, six weeks internal medicine, six weeks surgery. Um, so you know, I mean, it almost all the way through the. Uh, the uh, third year, and I was like, "Man, I hate everything. <laughs> I just hate everything." <laughs> That's hilarious. I hate it. I did psych, hated it. Did oh, my uncle's OB. I'm gonna try that. Hated it. Did pediatrics. <laughs> Love the kids. Hated the parents. Did internal medicine. Hated it. Did general surgery. Hated it. So, uh, family practice. You know, like people come out with a stack of papers for their disability. I want you to fill it out. I'm like, oh god, this was this was this is terrible. So, but you know, Funny. I did when when I was. You know, I did my OB rotation up in Buffalo, New York, and uh, I just remember like one of the days, you know, I was, I was just in a little OB lab, and I was talking to one of the um, anesthesiologists on call, and he was just real nice and like, you know, telling me, I'm like, I didn't know the first thing about it, and he was like, show me, he's like, follow me, you know, he showed me how to do an epidural, we did a C-section, showed me how to do a spinal, you know, he just started talking about his life, and I was like, oh, that's kind of an interesting mix, like, you get to have a life, and when you're on, you're on, you're off, you're off, and you're making money, and you know, they used to say uh, the road to happiness during med school was radiology, orthopedic, orth- uh, dermatology. 
they started looking into it and uh you know following that guy around and you know I was like that's kind of a cool cool job you know i you know i was never one i never want to have an office where i have to worry about like the office staff like the air conditioner is broken or with the order supplies or you know they have to hire a new you know admitting person or a telephone person or off you know it's just i never want to run, run an office i like being in the, op- in the operating room um er i was another possibility but man you do one 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 week at saturday night in the er it's it's crazy in town you know so um i just you know during my surgery rotation and my, my uh my ob i started just you know talking to anesthesia anesthesiologists who were working that you know it just seemed like a like a like a fun job and you do a lot of you do a lot of uh you know hands-on stuff which you know it's it, you know, it's kind of worked for me like there's a problem you fix it you, you know there's a lot of like uh, problem solving skills so it just it, it's something you can do about it you know like some of it's like psychology psychiatry for me was like i mean the best you could ever do was to get people to take their their pills and function in society right i mean like i don't know i always felt like you never really fixed something i don't know i, I just like the idea of well you had a lot of, you have a lot of control in the in the yeah. or and you can have pretty quick uh rapid changes right and it's hard to hard to have those kind of changes like if you're managing blood pressure in the office it's it might take weeks you know weeks to get the effect that you want or or you know you 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 know a guy's got hypertension you prescribe him medicine the guys yeah i don't i didn't take it like it's like well you know the problem this is how you fix it guy doesn't want to take his pills like there's yeah he needs a life they need a life coach not a not not someone to figure out the blood pressure medication yeah but you know i just when i during that third year of med school you 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 get to kind of like dip your walk your toes into the pool of different um careers and then you gotta figure it out at the end of the third year what you want to go into and um and then during that fourth year there's certain rotations you have to do but then you can kind of showcase yourself which i don't know how they did during a pandemic because you know you would spend a couple months at places where you you know if you chose anesthesia you could go you know do your rotation i did one in like manhattan at uh, mount sinai i did another one uh you know you just kind could kind of like a kind of like an audition you could try out and meet the program director and meet the residents and uh you know it's kind of like an intern you know semi-internship the audition yeah, rotation like, is huge. Yeah, yeah. Yes. It's, and then you get letters of recommendation and you, and you really get to, you know, try that specialty that you want to do. And it, I don't like, that's why I'm saying those guys who did the zoom third and fourth year, like, I don't know how they did it. Like, how, how do you know you want to be a general surgeon if you've never been in the operating room and you've never taken call at three o'clock in the morning and had to take out someone's butt pus like how, how do you know that you want to do that career like so like, did they ever did they have no in-person rotations then in those yeah those guys like they that, did they, not one thing like the no no like like you you did like so they graduated day. then like it, yeah, they, they, they were yeah i don't know how i i have no idea how they could possibly make up their mind about what they want to do without yeah like how do you know you want to be a gynecologist and if you never delivered a baby like how do you know like, just because like you always wanted to do it like i don't know i think a lot of I those think, guys are gonna, gonna set themselves the, up for failure i think the 
decision trying to decide is hard enough when you get a chance to, to do everything but you never really know what it's like until you become an attending which that takes four five even sometimes six years later but then yeah. to like not even scrub in well we'll have to we may have to to we may have to see if we can track down some medical students that didn't get anything other than remote uh uh, third and fourth year we may have to ask them you gotta ask them because like you know i look at some of the interns like they don't know how to scrub their hands like for surgery like they're doing a surgery rotation like july 1st was what a couple weeks ago and these guys have never been in the operating room they don't know how to scrub their hands don't know how to put on drapes i mean uh, you know gowns don't know how like like they just don't because they, they've never been taught it that's like the real life stuff that they don't teach you in school like they don't teach you med school no no they do teach you in school they teach you how to wash your hands we did right. we, i remember doing that we we had a we were taught how to scrub like when? long long in second year end of second year of medical school i never so got this that is what you, this is what you do so this is how no. you're gonna wash we, we we got yelled at day one we were in third year. you know this is what you do you know <laughs> you pick up the brush you scrub on your things your nails, you go in between your fingers, you go up to your elbow, you drop the thing in the sink, you wash, you rinse your hands, you don't let the water go, you know, towards your hands, you go towards your elbow, you put your back in the door, you walk in the room, the lady hands you a towel, like, you know, just, it's just, uh, you know, oh, you got to scratch yeah. your nose, boom, get out. Yeah. Do it again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. No, no, um, that's a, these are very, very basic building ah, blocks that. Ah, totally. You, like, like, you know, it's one thing that it's like, uh, you know, if you're zoom, if you're zooming an interview with a patient, it's way different than someone's in pain or throwing up and you're trying to, you know, get their head. It's just a different, it's a different, it is the real world. And then the virtual world where somebody's just answering questions on a, you know, a zoom call versus but real life. These, uh, these doctors are going to eventually make up for that though i mean don't you think that whatever uh, yeah whatever it was they, they missed they will they'll eventually get it, it yeah but i but i don't know if they'll get it in that you know residency is defined amount of period period of time right so i don't know i just feel like they missed out on a lot of stuff that you learned before your first day of residency well right? we was interesting what we we saw i was learning from my students that uh, it was harder this year than ever before to get into med medical school because a lot of people that got accepted over the last couple of years decided to wait and defer their enrollment. Which really? a, lot of a lot of medical schools will let you do that. If you get in, they say, all right, congratulations, you're accepted. And then they, you know, the student has, in a lot of situations, the student has a right to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to come, but I, I want to, I don't want to start till like 2023 or, and a lot of students did that. They said, forget this. I'm not coming and doing, uh, you know, everything remote, everything virtual. I'm not doing that. And I, I can't blame them. Yeah, but it's you got to th think that the, when you were in a lockdown, you had nowhere to go and nothing to do. That would have been the perfect time to go to med school because you would have been locked in anyway. And you can't, you just learning, reading books and stuff. I don't know. I mean, where, where the kids that decided to do that, what did they do? Like they couldn't travel. Like, wait, what did they do? Well, they all there. Everyone is fascinated with a gap year these these days. Like I when when we went through, I know that all the people that 
were pre-med in my college, it, there was nobody, nobody even talked about that. It was like, no, you apply and you want to, everybody was like in a rush to get into school, but now it's a little different. They, the students want it. They want to take a year or two off and do, they want to do something different. They want to travel. Um, how, how do they afford that? How, how do you, who pays for that mom and dad or? Do they get jobs? Like who pays? Who fi- who finances this gap year? Well, there's a lot of different ways to do it. I don't. I can't. I can't comment on what the students are doing. But I mean, you know, you there's geographic arbitrage. So, you know, if you want to go and if you want to go and uh, travel in Southeast Asia for a couple months, you're not you're not spending what you're spending if you're living in Los Angeles. Yeah, that's true. You know, you know what I mean? It's like if you actually work and you save your money, you can go almost, I mean, you can go almost anywhere in the world and it's going to be cheaper than Southern California. Yeah, that's true. There's certain parts of the world there that you could do it. I guess if you got a college work for, you know, if you didn't have your parents paying for it and you actually had to save money, you could save, you could work for six months and then travel to, Thailand and you know Southeast Asia and Indonesia. Well, New Zealand offers a um, if you're under thirty, New Zealand it has a um, an opportunity for people who, if they want to come and work for a year, they can do it. You get a work doing what? Anything, whatever, whatever they can get a job at. But it's a otherwise you can't get a work visa. But if you want to, but they they want. They want to encourage people to visit New Zealand. I, they didn't do it. The pandemic was New Zealand was shut down, but yeah, think, yeah. Well, you 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 worked in New Zealand for a year, right? What what was the well, biggest I, difference between medicine and and uh, in in the in New Zealand and the U.S.? There were so many. I I think that the the biggest one and my favorite one is how they how they deal with. Uh, patient injury and complications they don't they don't really do lawsuits i mean i think that they do have some lawsuits in new zealand but for the most part they don't they don't really sue people what they do is they have a third party uh payer they have this company called uh the accidental compensation corporation acc it's taxpayer money and if a patient let's say a patient has um has a there's an injury or it doesn't even have to be a patient it could be also like you could be run over by somebody and you could have a broken arm did you don't have to prove uh you don't have to prove a fault so it's called a no fault system and what they do is they automatically just give money to the injured person so like when i say give give money they'll be like all right lost wages you were out of work for two months because you broke because you broke your arm because I ran over you. Uh you don't have to you wouldn't have to sue me, even if I, you know, I I clearly was in the wrong. I did this thing. Uh you don't have to uh go and like uh try to do a lawsuit to get uh money. I mean they have workers comp here, but it, I know workers comp is even really challenging. What that does in the in the medical field is that let's say uh Let's say I was involved in something and then the patient was harmed. What I do is then I help the patient try to get money. So rather than 
them trying to uh, sue me, which sets up an adversarial relationship, they would then I would work together. So it still keeps the doctor and the patient like on the same side. And I I always like that. It's like it's about keeping people working like together against each other. And that's probably was one of the maybe one of the biggest things. But I guess the other thing I would say is that they they are all about. They really understand that, you know, it's about lifestyle and making sure like, okay, we're going to, you know, the OR is going to go down to. Whatever, one room by 3 p.m. And then they get people like out the door to go enjoy their life. You know, they're not burning people out and uh, they make people are people are like, OK, we didn't we're going to make sure we get our lunch. You know, they so like the, there's not as many cases are getting done, but at least people are well fed and they're they're pretty happy. And uh, I I don't know. I, I, I liked it. I, like, I mean, a lot of people will find fault with any system, but I I really enjoyed being. I would much rather be, I think, in that system than in the in the American system. Yeah, I mean, I, I did uh, two months when I was a fourth year medical student in in, uh, in uh, Australia, and uh, I just remember, you know, we go to the floors. It blew my mind because they would have like one room with like twelve people in it, and like male and female were like in the same room. It just like blew my mind. Like they had like you know all these sick people in one room. I'm like, holy crap! Like you know, in the U.S., they never put a man and you know six men and eight women in the same room in their, their little bays with their little curtain things. And, uh, you know, they kept giving, you know, you have a headache, you get a Panadol. You get a bellyache, you get Panadol. You have a neck ache, you get Panadol. I'm like, why don't we have this Panadol stuff in the United States? It sounds like incredible. And I'm like, I'm like, what is Panadol? I'm like, oh, it's acetaminophen. I'm like, oh, it's Tylenol. <laughs> Tylenol. I'm like, wow, this Panadol stuff is incredible. Yeah, it fixes para, everything. You para- get a bellyache? paracetamol i was using (laughs) i was using iv paracetamol uh for a long time and then we just i was like why don't we have iv tylenol in the u.s and there was no reason it was just that you know a drug company hadn't hadn't made it happen yet and then it was you know now that now that we've got it too it's like everybody gets you know everybody gets overbev everybody gets like tylenol but we're still like we're still using we're very heavy handed with the narcotics in this country. Heavy, yeah, super well, heavy handed. That's we were we were much lighter with the opioids in New Zealand. Yeah, I can see that. Well, you know, it's funny in the US there they always want you to get, you know, no narcotics. So you do these nerve blocks, these tap blocks for belly, you know, belly pain and rectus sheath blocks for belly, you know, after surgery to to decrease the uh the narcotic, you know, that people needed post op surgery and then You'll get, you know, the administration or pharmacy will give you a hard time like a couple months later. Like, why are you using so much uh, expiral for these nerve blocks? It's expensive. And it's like, well, dude, you, you told us not to use, <laughs> not to use <laughs> morphine. Like, what? Why are you using ketamine? Well, you told us not to use, uh, you know, it's on backwater, morphine's on backwater, fentanyl's in short supply. Like, don't tell us to use it. And then and you give us something else. So, it's very, it's very, it's very, uh, you know, that whole pharmacy thing is, is odd. Like, you know, they, you know, they don't want to use narcotics and give you a hard time for using that uh, offer that because it's, you know, more expensive than narcotics. So, um, you know, there's got to be a trade off somewhere between narcotics and pain control because, you know, a lot of these people have surgical pain. It's, it's true pain. Like, I mean, it, you know, you get your belly cut open, 
it's so back together it's gonna hurt so did you see that uh did you see that uh doc that it was a drama series about the uh purdue pharma with uh michael keaton i forgot what this is no uh about the uh oxycon oxycon yeah it's like i think it's called dope sick oh my god you gotta check it out No, we were in we were in medical school. we were in medical school for that. I remember was like I remember all of that, all that stuff they were pushing all that stuff on us. Like you know, pain is the you know the the fifth vital sign or the sixth vital sign or whatever you know. And then you gotta what? like oh you gotta up the dose, up the dose, oxycodone. Uh, it's not yeah. Don't worry, it's a it's a twelve hour slow release. It's not a not addictive. Whatever they were you know, and uh, I remember how I remember they were all, the pharmaceutical reps. They were so aggressive. Oh yeah, as a medical well, we, student, I was just like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, well, we're just third, fourth year medical students. You, you would go into an office, and the, the pharmacy reps would come in with like a crate of Vioxx or Celebrex and pens and pads and like pens crap. and pads and, like, and a, a beautiful like, like lunch. Yeah, they, they'd be an like, amazing lunch, and they were always they they were dressed well. Yeah, so they give you a nice like you know chicken fajita wrap. And uh, you know, and then pad, and here's here's your creative uh, to go samples. You know, it's it, it was a different world. They, you know, they can't do that stuff anymore. But yeah, they were super aggressive. And uh, you know, and I remember just you know going to the uh, American Society of anesthesiologist anesthesiology meetings, and you know they they would have those you know Purdue Pharma reps and all those guys who just you know you know making docs, <laughs> not making them, but encouraging docs to you know to write these you know. They would have this uh, a pain scale. It would either be a happy face or like a extremely sad face. And if you were anything but the extremely, you know, if you were anything but the extremely uh, sad face, you know, you needed more. You needed more pills because you weren't. You had to be the happy face. So they used to have this, these uh, patient satisfaction scores, and pain was one of them. So if you if you were in pain, you know, you were you were uh, above a, a five. Oh, again, get that guy some more pain medicine. He, he's he's only he's a, he's a six. You gotta get him down to at least a four, you know. So, um, yeah. But I don't know. Like, what do you do? You tell somebody you gotta be in pain. Like, what? What do you do? But it, it definitely is a stark contrast between the '90s and today. With, I mean, Mike, did you ever know anyone like addicted to like, you know, pain medicine growing up? I mean, it was so rare, right? Now, now you see people all the time in the hospital who are, you know. They have these, uh, you know, they used to be you know, addicted to Oxycontin and, you know, it's, it's like the road to heroin addiction and all of those stuff. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I was uh, I hadn't really I hadn't really heard about it. And then I started to started to see it as a as a third year med student. And then uh, I'll never forget when I did my pain pain rotation in uh, Connecticut and man was that tough that seemed like that seemed like a really tough job and i didn't, <laughs> didn't want to do pain <laughs> no no because pain is so subjective like one guy could tell you he's 10 out of 10 pain and he's sleeping oh yeah 10 out of 10 and he go back to sleep and another person be like staring you know focused on one single ceiling tile and you know they're in pain and they're like yeah my too so it's it's a very subject you know it's not no like- i had i remember i had guys that were they were they were sleeping and he would wake up and I'm like, what's your pain? You were sleeping. You were sleeping. What's your pain? It's like 10. I was like, you had, you had 10. And then he fell asleep. Like he he fell asleep. Like a moment later, I'm like, I'm like, Hey, 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 wait, 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 wake up. He's like, Oh, (laughs) what's your pain? 
10, you know, and then it, <laughs> we had a, we had a, one of our pain experts is like, no, 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 that's, it's a legit, it's a legit 10 because like when they have pathological pain, it's like, uh, I, I, I that blew my mind. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, no, you uh, can't possibly have a 10. Yeah. Yeah. No, you get, you, you know, you get the people come in they're like, uh, oh yeah, I'm allergic to morphine and towel but, uh, morphine one milligram Q one hour, you know, oh, they tell you, they tell you, yeah. <laughs> they'll tell you like their, their regiment. But, um, you know, it's, I think there's more tools nowadays to, you know. Yeah, the nerve like, blocks are. The nerve, nerve blocks, blocks are, cool. I mean, that didn't exist like when we were residents, right? You had a spinal or an epidural or. Well, they were, there were some uh, programs were, were doing it. And then uh, ours was, uh, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't do a lot of, of nerve blocks, but it was really, we, I think it was just about to really explode because ultrasound was really hitting in uh, like 2005, 2006, like the ultrasound just got maybe not 2000. Yeah. Around 2006, 2007 ultrasound started getting really good. Really. Right. And then it just kept getting better. And, but now it's insane how good it is. Right. Right. And it, it's funny because the new guys in our group, you know, they always have the certain nerve blocks. You just used to doing it without the ultrasound, like neuroscaling or ephemeral nerve, you know, yeah, that, that twitch, you just used to do it. You, like that, that's where your osteopathic skills come in. You just know where it is and you just could feel it. You, you, you put it, you put the needle in, you see the twitch, you know, you're in the right spot. Um, but like the, the, the new guys, like they're kind of helpless without the ultrasound, like they need it. Like they're not used to doing stuff without seeing it. Like, and you, and I were trained, you just did it with those twitch monitors because you knew the anatomy, you knew where the nerve was. You, you point to it, you stick needle right where you think it's going to be. It's always there. It doesn't change and you know what's going to be. But the new guys, it's kind of like they, you grow up with color television. You can't go back to go back to black and white, right? It's impossible. Yeah, I have the same. The same thing happens when they're when they're doing uh, central lines is that they uh, they don't they don't know their landmarks. Yeah. And you, you can get in trouble with uh, doing a central line with with ultrasound. I mean. You you would you'd think that it would be impossible to get in trouble, but you can. Yeah, you have a there's a certain place where you need to actually start. <laughs> you can't just put the needle anywhere. Right, right. But well, it's, it's funny. Yeah. We talked. Colin and I talked la- uh, last last week on the podcast. We talked about we talked about a, like a uh, a darker side to 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 having so much technology, and um. And I don't know. I don't know if I'm willing to say that. I think it's like, like you, know, you got to learn, you got to learn all of the different nuances, and uh, you, you can't just become a hundred percent reliant on a uh, electronic device, and and not not know the big picture. You know, like a GPS device. If the GPS device says uh, that the trail is is forward, but there's a cliff, you know, well, you have to like pay attention to where you're putting your foot yeah yeah well you gotta sometimes the lights go out sometimes the sunlight machine is down or broken or you know the, the screen doesn't work so i think you always got to have that insurance policy where you, you know how to do it cold like you don't need you don't need that it's nice to have that tool but you, you don't need it you know you, you've been do, you there's another way to there's different ways to do it you know so I think, you know, it's a luxury to have, but you have to also know what you're doing without the, you know, that technology that's all, you, you know, you just become accustomed to having it. 
um, uh, I don't know. It, it's, it's, I always feel like I, I am at the, the edge of the old school and the new school. Right. So like when you're going to, when you go to college, did you, did you know what email was? I never heard of it before I was going to college and I never used it. Like did you ever use email in high school? No, not until I went to college. Right. Like you never heard of it. Right. Like, you know, kids nowadays know what email is. Right. So like, you know, you knew life back before email and websites where you had to like call places and, you know, texting wasn't really even a thing, was it? Oh, texting. I think texting came around in around 2002 was when I first started getting, I, that's, that's when I got my first phone. I was a third year in uh, medical school and um, I started getting texts from uh, this one girl I was dating and she, you know, nobody and nobody else texts, but all of a sudden I get words and I'm like, what? She's writing she's writing a message to me <laughs> like this is why does you want to call me you know like, she, like, like, <laughs> like why why did i call like what is this what is this what 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 is that you know like why why are you bother, back, bother, back, back when, bothering when me with this te- texting would take you 10 10 minutes to text like, oh it was a oh it was insane B-B-B. yeah that texting people. was the I, I was like i will absolutely not not do that i mean of course now it's like now ever now nobody you can't get anybody on the phone anymore yeah, yeah, nobody yeah. wants to talk. No, yeah, wants you, to talk. You, but you, but you went to a, you know, it's funny to me. Like in college, I didn't know a single person ever who had a cell phone ever in college. Did you, no, you know, not in college. No, nobody like, did. You would, just, you would just like have to not know people's numbers or read well, them. I had so many numbers memorized too. Yeah, I'm sure you remember like your phone number growing up and your friend's phone numbers growing up. Yeah, you, yeah. Know, you know, if you if you remember someone's phone number, you would never see them again right like it would just be gone like the person just got off the face the, of the, earth, right? the other thing that was kind of fun too is that if you if you had like if it was like saturday night and you're like okay something's happening i gotta like check in with everybody and then if you but if you like if you were late and you kind of missed it it's like everyone was out doing something and you had no idea where yeah, they were you, you you're like that's, that's like what i i have no idea where where where's the party where's everybody going like you were you're lost you're like done you'll, for you'll, you'll, you'll find out tomorrow <laughs> it was a great it was a great I mean, yeah, like, time ever and you, you, you missed the boat so yeah. uh what what is what what would you give like the, the if someone's listening to this and they're they're struggling and they're like they're super stressed out what kind of what kind of advice would you would you give or what did you think was helpful uh, what, well, when you went through your own hard times, first of all, I, I would say you know, be things being stressed out when you're eighteen, twenty, twenty two, twenty five. You stress about about things that you know is important to you, but in the big picture, you know, it does it doesn't really. It's not a big deal. Like, like it's gonna work out. Whatever your career path you choose, it's gonna work out. Like, you know, don't don't stress out about it. If you have to take a gap year and like you're, you're saying, a lot of your, your kids are doing now, uh, your students, like, that's fine. You, you, nothing has to be, everyone nowadays needs, like, immediate gratification, right? So they have to, like, you know, take a test and get a perfect score and get into med school or law school or whatever and, you know, get in right away. And sometimes life that isn't doesn't, you know, work on your time or it just, sometimes you need that gap year to really see if that's really what you want to do. Sometimes 
you know, things are a blessing in disguise. So now what, what about you... like, but what about like, if it's uh okay, let's say they're, they're, they're not 20 or 25, they're like 45 and they're stressed out. I mean, it is the advice the same then for, well, for a career, like for what, like, what are they stressed out about? Like they, they want to, they're change their careers or they want to go back to school or they want to, I mean, it'll work out. Like if you, if you work at it, it'll work out. Like, you know, you, you I don't, now like we come from a world where you had to, you know, pass a certain MCAT test or, a, you know, GRE, you know, what, what GMAT or whatever you get to business school. Um, a lot of, you know, times are kind of changing though, where like the SAT doesn't really matter as much as it used to, right? Like when you were in high school, like your SAT score, or ACT, whatever it was, like kind of determine what college you got into, right? And nowadays, like a lot of kids aren't even opting to not take that test, right? I, you might be right. I actually don't know. Yeah, I know so that the I, I know that the MCAT is still, still a like the the for medical school, it's still grades and MCAT to get your foot in the door. It's still really, really competitive, and it's really kind of like about those two uh, data points. Well, what, one thing I would definitely recommend to kids who want to go to med school is, um, you know, volunteering uh, in hospitals or, um, you know, that kind oh, of thing. Oh, you believe know, like, me, they do. You should see these resumes. I mean, these oh, are real. It's it's amazing what they're doing that they're, they're doing stuff that, you know, like unheard, unheard of. Like, what are they doing? Well, they're all they're all getting research experience at a very young age. They've all got volunteering i i mean i've even i've even got some that are like you know basically uh founded their own like nonprofit company i mean they're you know it's 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 very impressive and but what there is something that's different though which is tremendous pressure because they they have a uh unlimited access to what other people are doing in life on social media so they see all the success and they they put a lot of pressure on themselves. So this because they're looking at their friends or, or, you know, from years past have gotten in and they're, they're feeling bad about themselves that they may or not may not have gotten in or what are they, what are they feeling bad about? Uh, I think that I, I've, I hear a lot of different things. So a lot of it, a lot of the stress is about trying to get into the uh you know medical school for these are for the pre-meds mm -hmm. but even 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 the ones that haven't even decided what they want to do they feel incredibly pressured to decide something or they feel incredibly pressured to just be successful because of what they it's like what they see online yeah well i don't always think that online you know that is some addicting stuff. Like some people, they're on their phone 24 hours a day, right? So I think if you turned off that Instagram, Facebook, you might get a little piece where, you you know, you would feel less stressed about what other people are doing. Um, I mean, you always want to set yourself up for success. So, you know, if you, if you don't get into med school right after college, like and you take that gap year, like, that's probably gonna be the best year of your life, right? Like, 
where you got to travel around the world and you're young and you could do stuff you're never going to get a chance to do again in your life. So I don't think anyone would regret taking a gap year if you're stressed out and you know, you're, 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 you're either you don't get in or you need an extra year to just, you know, find yourself. Like, I think that's totally cool. That's fine. Like I would, I would encourage that. I, I guarantee you if you're, you know, riding an elephant in Thailand when you're 22 years old, like you're not going to be stressed out. Like that's the time in life where you could actually have fun and do stuff and enjoy life and you know, be part of the world. You may realize that, Hey, that's not, that's not, the, that's not the career I want to do anymore. So, um, but in the end, it, it, it'll work out. If you work hard for it, it'll work out. You'll, you'll get into somewhere. Um, you know, a lot of times people are too focused. Like I'm only want to get into these Southern California medical schools. Like you gotta open up your, your net. You gotta apply everywhere and you gotta, um, you know, you know, and I like, you know, firsthand, like you can live anywhere for three, four years, like, you know, anywhere. So if you have to go to school in some remote place, cause you got in, it's, it, hey, it's only four years. It's, it's not a big deal. Sometimes people are like, Oh, I, you know, I want to be a doctor, but I don't want to ever leave Southern California. Well, sometimes you gotta have to live in Erie, Pennsylvania for four years just to get that goal. If that's really something you want to do, like, you know, you, you live in a different place and you can live anywhere for three or four years. Like it's not that hard. It's not like you're gonna be now you'll be studying anyway, so it's not like you're gonna be missing out on you know beach parties at uh, Laguna Beach Club. You know, like you're 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 gonna be busy anyway, so it doesn't matter when you go to medical school. Um, so I would just tell those kids, you know, if you're gonna do it, throw a big net. You know, sometimes schools want people from every state, so you might you know luck out if you're from California and the school in you know Minnesota, they may want someone from you know all 50 states like you know give it a shot why not like when you when you did your in your uh fellowship in uh seattle you, you know you you could have loved it or hated it but like it's a year of your life right like mm-hmm. you feel like you know like you could have probably done that anywhere right like like if it would have been in miami or seattle or you know des moines iowa like it's a year of your life right it's not it's not gonna make or break it you can live anywhere for a year right you can be at work anyway so what, what difference does it make Oh as yeah. As long as you're learning, as long as you're learning, who cares? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree with that. And uh, now, would you say that? It, uh, do you recommend that people should travel by themselves at some point in their life? Oh, dude. If you ever want to get to know yourself, Mike, you ever travel by yourself when you when you were in your early? Oh yeah. Like, yeah, I spent a whole oh, summer that, it, in it, South America by myself. Yeah, like like the biggest um, uh, hindrance of doing it is. I think like the fear of the unknown, like you, you like you like, uh, you know, when you're in your late teens, early twenties, like for some reason you have stuck in your head that like, you know, you can't go to the movies by yourself or you can't go out to eat by yourself or, you know, like what are other people going to think about me? But like when you get older, you realize like that, that, that was just a stupid way to go through life. Like when you, when you travel by yourself, it is so easy to meet people. It is so easy to just do whatever you want to do. You have to worry about, you know, dealing with your, you know, hungry friends or, you know, like, I, yeah, you you're, you're more, it. you're, I think I always thought you're, uh, you're probably more likely to meet people when you're, when you're traveling alone. Oh, totally. And, and, and you really, you don't care about like what other people think when you're by yourself. So, yeah. you know, I remember like, you know, when your residency, we didn't really get to choose our vacation, right? We got, you just got to sign like, yeah, you're all fun. You know, you get like, you, you'd get like your, your top, top choice. And then you, 
you'd only get four weeks the whole right. year. You have four right. weeks, and you, you four you, weeks. You might get you your top. You might get your top week, but right. then, but, but it's didn't... not going to be. It's not going to be with any of your friends. It's going to. You're going to be off by yourself, right? So you're going to be off. Like usually, you're off by yourself, and uh, you know, the first year I was like, you know, off, and like the other two people, like you know, they were married with kids, and I'm like, all right, I want to do something. So I'm like, you know, screw it. I'm going to go to, uh, you know, I'm going to go to Brazil. I'm going to go visit. You know, I always wanted to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to go by myself. It's, uh, you know, that carnival or, you know, Fat Tuesday week. And I was going to go. And, dude, first day I went there, you know, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm in another country. I found an Irish bar to go to. I figured, like, oh, someone will speak English in that place. And you go there and you start talking to people. And you go out that night. And you have a good time. And you joke around. You're like, all right, see you again there tomorrow. And next night you go there. And then you met 10 people the night before. And now you knew 10 other people. And, at the end of the week, you know, you know, everyone in Rio, it's just fun. It's just, I would highly recommend traveling by yourself. It, it's a scary thought to do out of the country, but it, it will be, you'll have a great time doing it. Like, you know, when you went to South America, what did you do? Uh, I went to, uh, I went to Peru. I went to Cusco, uh, Inca trail. And, uh, uh, I spent a lot of time just going out for breakfast by myself and trying to read the paper in Spanish. And I would just, you know, I just had a little diction, my, my Spanish dictionary. That was my goal. I wanted to learn, learn Spanish. So like every morning got up, went, had breakfast, just read the paper for a couple hours and just translated every single word. And then, uh, you know, then I had with someone from med school, uh, came and they said well we wanted to do inca trail so i was like okay i'll let's go do that you know i did it like a second time and um otherwise i was just really meeting other locals other people locals yeah. and other, yeah. other because i had i had i had budgeted such a long i mean it was my entire summer after first year of med school i said i'm doing this whole thing in latin america and uh, it was, a, I mean, it was like a life changing trip. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like, I came back. But, I was just like, I'm like, I was, I, I did not, I never saw America the same ever, ever since. Right. Like, and I was never, like, I'm you, like, you'll, you'll never regret taking that trip. Like, oh, I didn't know anyone. No, like, you like, I think I got, that, I think I got dengue fever. That was the first time I had dengue fever. So, well, that's because reg- you, you were by yourself. You know, I regret that. <laughs> But the first dengue fever the first time is actually not that bad. The second time, that's what I, I recommend not doing it a second time. Dengue fever. So what does it mean to wing it? To wing it? Oh, like you like when you went to when you went to uh like just when you said like you just like I'm go I'm going I'm going to uh, I'm going to South America and I'm gonna figure it out. So I would tell any of those guys taking a trip, like, you know, you're allowed the first night lodging to plan ahead of time so you get off the plane in whatever country you're in i'll allow you to have the first night travel and after that you got to figure it out just wing it like all right so do you wing it in your uh everyday life or is this specific to just like traveling well just wing it like wing it yeah i mean it's hard it's harder when you have like kids and you know it's 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 harder with wife and kids to, to wing things but when you're single you definitely wing it like you, you know, we like, you know, Mike, like you, you and I have traveled together. Like, you know, you, you get that first night hotel and then the next day you're, you're, you, you go to some, <laughs> you know, 
a travel agent in some land that doesn't speak your country and you're just like hey man we want to go here and they're like oh no 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 you don't go there you were there and you're like no no no, we want to go here and then you know you figure it out like you know when i was in europe during uh after college i was backpacking across europe uh, with one of my buddies and uh we we're like all right let's go to, let's go to croatia we're in italy we just got off the boat in croatia i'm like all right, i'm going for a night and uh, i went to dubrovnik croatia it was awesome like we loved it like I ended up spending like almost like a week and a half there, just in the country of Croatia, because I was it was so cool. I just loved it. Like, you know, I could have you know planned like oh two days in Rome and uh, three days in Florence, and you know, but I just you know we just were we just if we liked the place, we would just stay. If we you know once it got old, we we would move. Like, and you kind of know when when it's over. Um, but like, if you travel and you kind of open, you know, if you like a place, you stay. Like. Too many people are too regimented in what they do. So they're like, oh, we're going to go to uh, London for three days and then we're going to go to Paris for three days. And, you know, like, yes. they're, cool, they're cool places, but like, man, like go out in the countryside, like spend a little time there. Like, you, well, love, you like, well, you like yeah, it even better. I think that I, I, what you're talking about is that you, you don't really, if you plan everything to an inch of its life, you get no opportunity for, for spontaneity. No, mm-hmm. there's no surprises. Yeah, and, and surprises are the best part. So that's why you know I would tell guys who you know like are you, when your friend when your uh, students or whatever when they're going to uh, do this gap year, what, what what's the plan? They they do they say like oh, I'm gonna buy a round no, the ticket or no? What, they what, asked what, me what the plan. They said what 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 should we do? What, what are they asking you for? Like, like you're their travel guy. Like, what, what do they want you to tell them? Uh, <laughs> well, they want it. They want, I mean, I, I typically I start my I start the semester off with a like a little bit about myself, and I tell them I, you know, I did this. I went here. I went here. I climbed this mountain, and then you know they're, and then I, I also went to med school. So then, so then they they come. I, I I'm thinking that that is perhaps that's why they're asking for advice on a gap year so what do you tell them well i tell them what's the i want to know what the purpose is if i ask them if the purpose is to if the purpose is to try to get into school uh then we we go down we then we try to figure out are you do you have to make up for something do you have to like you know fulfill is it an MCAT or are we trying to do research or is it just uh, something else? And then I, what we want to do is we want to like, I, I like to, I give them this, I give them a scenario. I say, let's just say that you, you've, you've already gotten in and you start, uh, you start September, 2023, you have one full year. Uh, so you, you're, you're accepted and now you can do anything you want. And that's where we start the conversation because then they it starts to tell me, they start to tell me what what they're passionate about and what they really want. And then we try to figure out a way to make what they want to do, uh, sort of fall like kind of like match up with something that could actually help them. And I think that there's a lot of what are uh, what are popular places they go like South America or Southeast Asia or. Africa or Europe or where, 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 where do they go? Um, I've, I, I mean, I, a lot of, a lot of the college students are, are, are going to Europe this summer. 
uh, I had one of my students went to um, went to Peru. I, I don't know if they went by themselves or with their family, but they went to Peru. Uh, they're going all over. They're going they're going they're doing stuff in 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 college and right after college, things that I didn't even think were possible. Uh, yeah, I didn't really start getting that travel bug until I think I got into, you know, I always wanted to travel, but I, I, I guess I didn't really, you know, I didn't really realize it. So, but I it think was a thing. It wasn't right. Yeah, like let, let, like if you could go back in time, would you do a study abroad, like you know, for a semester over somewhere? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Absolutely. Hundred right? like, percent. But, but at the time, you were probably like, oh, I, I can't miss this semester because there's a well, part two of organic chemistry, right? It's like so stupid. Well, like, I think it. I, I think that. A lot of it is about money for oh, you totally. Know. Well, you, I you, mean, you, know, very... you know firsthand, like if you, if you spend three months in Southeast Asia, you'll spend no money compared to three months in London or Paris, right? Like you, you know firsthand, like like mm-hmm. if you go to if, you know we went to Russia one time, like I think you spent like thirty five bucks like twenty years ago for like a sandwich and a cup of coffee, like. Right. Like, you know, you know, so I think you gotta, you gotta, besides the budget, you, you gotta figure out first what's your budget and then how long you want to go and then how do you want to live? Because you can live like a king in certain parts of the world, or if you live in like London's gonna be expensive, right? Like Paris, expensive, Tokyo, expensive. Like, but if you just tweak it a little bit, like you, you could stay in certain parts of Europe, for like Poland or southern Italy for way cheaper. Well, yeah, I, I, you don't even have to leave America. I mean, you can go, you can go to like the the greatest places of our country, are our national parks, and you can go camp in a tent, and you you know you you can even camp outside of national parks on uh, BLM land for for free, and a lot of and that and that was a little bit of what we were doing uh, last year. We were living in a trailer, and we were living a much cheaper life than i had lived in a, in a long time just because we were living in a trailer yeah. well, we were seeing the best stuff and so you yeah. don't have to leave the country but uh i do think that money is an issue for most people money especially uh you know especially younger people yeah. so i yeah I, I would tell the guys taking a gap, gap year just pick, have a budget and it just there's certain parts of this world you wouldn't even consider going to, but you could live for a long time, you know, three months, six months in Southeast Asia, way cheaper than other parts of the world and or South America too, right? Like, you know, I think, I think a lot of people are, they're afraid of the unknown, right? So that's like the, the biggest thing is, you know, people stressed out about when they want to go to med school or you know college and what they want to do with their life is like that's kind of like the fear of the unknown right like you don't know what you want to do with your life and that's a scary thought but if you were to take that gap year you, you'll you'll figure it out right like you'll definitely figure it out right i i actually think taking a gap year even even for uh doctors that have been practicing 10 15 20 years i think they should be taking taking a sabbatical i want to take Medical Mike, I'm gonna take that. Take you've convinced me. I'm gonna take that that gap year. <laughs> I think you should, honey. We're selling everything. We're gonna take that gap year. I don't. But you I, don't even have to sell anything. You just like just take a take just take a break from work. I know. 
if you, I mean, if you I can. Know. I mean, I we the thing is we had to sell everything because I couldn't I couldn't afford the house without the job. So, right, yeah, that that's the thing that that you know you, the name of your podcast is what 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 they what, what I wish they would have taught me in school or what was the official title? Uh, I wish they taught that in school. Yeah. Yeah. So what things, do you what, like, what, th- th- what thing things you own end up owning you is absolutely true. You know yeah. that. Like like things you people are like, oh, I want this fancy car, I want this fit. Like you're gonna pay insurance, you're gonna pay for maintenance, you're gonna you know, you get a fancy car, like every time you can be behind a truck and it's gonna break the windshield with a little rock and again it's cost you, you know, eight hundred bucks to fix the windshield. I and, feel like you just quoted a fight club. Didn't it? Didn't the guy from fight Brad Pitt, didn't he say that the things you own, they end up it, owning you. I mean, it's, 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 it's probably it's, true, man. It, Cause that is absolutely true. Like, no, there, I think, I think uh, we are, um, often so often we are, we are led on such a wrong path by what we, uh, what, what we totally. see on TV and what we see, uh, what other people do. But there's nothing yeah. better than being in control of your time. Oh, totally. Or, or having the means and the opportunity to do something. So, like, you know, you sold your house and, you know, you rented that, you know, trailer or whatever and drove across the country and your kids were, they weren't in school yet, right? Like, so, you, so, no, 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 no. Never, they were, no, they were in school, but school shut down. Oh, yeah, school shut down. So, like, you'll, you're never going to get that opportunity to do that again, you know, where, where your kids are. You know, now it's going to be different because your kids are going to be, you know, you, you're taking them away from their friends and, you know, the, the community. And yeah, I mean, like, you'll never regret doing what you did. Like, I, that was that was a wise move doing that during that pandemic because you were in Southern California. Like, you couldn't do anything, right? Like, you couldn't go to Disney World. You no, to I beach, you couldn't go nothing. To- we couldn't even go to the beach. Yes. Well, I will never forget seeing the playgrounds had police tape all over it. <laughs> That's I a mean, crime I, scene. the I, crime scene. No, the seesaw. They had the crime it all. Uh, they had the playground. I thought. I thought. I was like, I think we've gone too far. You know, I'm like, this is this is way too far. That yeah. we we can't it can't go to the playground. <laughs> yeah, playground's a crime scene because some kid coughed on a swing. It's so crazy. Yeah, that I mean that that was. The... I think California had. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I know it was pretty pretty strict in Oregon. But uh, what that was the neat thing about doing the going all over is that we saw you cross the state line and you immediately knew you're like, ah, all right, this is okay. We don't have to wear masks here. And then they're like, okay, well, now we got to now. Now we're wearing masks here. And they're like, okay, now, uh, now, every you know, go back to be back to L.A. It's like nothing, nothing inside uh, playgrounds, everything. It's all all off limits. <laughs> Oh, and no, this was like yeah. this was the most strict. I think this was the most strict place that we actually had ever been in the in the pandemic. We went to Utah and and Idaho, and it was kind of like you know nothing nothing seemed different there. Yeah, I mean, I was you know Texas was and Florida were pretty quick to compare to other places to open up. But I remember that summer. I went up to visit my, my parents in New York and I took uh, two of my kids up there. And I remember they had like armed national guard in the airport LaGuardia. Like we had to what? fill out some like COVID. Oh, you form. actually went, you went during the, that, that summer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Of uh, 2020. Yeah. Uh, why like, I'm gonna, why did my you, par- my, my parents are in like their seventies. Like, Oh, like, you want to, you just want to go visit them. Yeah. I just want to go visit my parents. Like I just want to go, you know, and we didn't do anything. Like there was nothing to do. Like, 
it was like, you know, you land at LaGuardia. There's like, you know, uh, machine gun uh, army National Guard people at the airport where you land and you have to fill out this questionnaire like, do you have COVID? No. Do you have a cough? No. <laughs> uh, and then like, if you don't hand in this piece of paper, like you're, you're we're going to arrest you. I'm like, All right, here you go. Oh, here's a piece of paper. We had, get, uh, it was insane. And, we had, um, oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> oh, so, but like, you know, you landed in New York and like, you know, we just hung out at my parents' house and like, we went to like parks and like went to the beach and, you know, like we didn't do, I, but you know, my parents are in the seventies. My kids were, you know, like get to know your grandparents. Like I'm not going to, you know, live well, in fear of like, yeah, that's like, what we were thinking. Get... Well, that's what we were thinking too. We're like, well, no, my, my parents weren't going to fly. And, uh, so I was like, well, I guess we, you know, maybe we'll just do a, we'll do this big road trip and go see them. Yeah. But you know, it, it was a scary time because that you know you didn't know and there was no vaccine and you had to get tested or you know. Like, oh, we had life. that summer was one of the most insane summers. We had the the uh, we had curfew in Los Angeles, and we had, what's, cur- we had what's curfew like eight o'clock? You're in your bed, otherwise you're gonna catch COVID at eight one. Like, what do no, you no, mean? no, no. Well, no, because there were, there were protests, and after George Floyd was murdered, we had uh. We had we had we had protests every day, and then so the police uh, enacted a um, L.A. citywide curfew, like you could not be out driving around. Otherwise, you know, after like five p.m. Well, arrested. I don't know what they're I don't know what they were gonna do, but you know, uh, but I I mean I we knew all about it because we were like, well, we're well, I'm going. I'm going you you weren't supposed to be out of your house I guess like at, at after dark but like I would go I go to the work at like 6 a.m. it was dark out and then I would come home after 5 or whatever in the OR all day so we we're always driving around so we had to carry this little piece of paper that said you know I work at the hospital <laughs> it was though it was such a it was crazy yeah. We're like, uh, uh, and then after, and then we, you know, after after a little while, Renee and I were, man, we were having a hard time. We're like, we're out of here. Yeah, <laughs> we're I mean, out of here. I remember they're like, they're not, they're that whole pandemic thing. Like, I had a pile of bricks in my backyard, and one day I made all my children go out and move that pile of bricks. I said, go build a road. <laughs> they built brick by brick a road to the trampoline, and uh, spent all day because like. Like there was no school, there was nothing to do. They're going nothing crazy. to do. They're like, you know, there's a giant pile of bricks. Build a road, as you see fit. I said it just needs to be structurally sound, and you if have you, to design on your own, and 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 build build a brick road to the trampoline. And if you, and, and then they'll come. <laughs> <build it. laughs> yeah, like you couldn't get like you couldn't get a haircut. Like I had like a big old uh, Bill Murray fro going on. Like it was it was crazy. It's, it's a oh, crazy man. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't. Uh, there's a lot of people didn't shave. Yeah, you can't shave. I was just like, yeah. So, I mean, I can see how nowadays, like, people would be, like, stressed out. Like, I can't imagine, like, graduating high school or being in college for two years where, like, you couldn't go to a party with, like, a beer pong. You know, like, just certain things where, like, you just took for granted. You take it for granted. Right now. Like, beer pong. When you were in college, did you ever play beer pong? Uh, We didn't. I I mean I, I I have but not we didn't have it I don't think we had it in college yeah. it wasn't until <laughs> like, after like like it would be like the same hundred people would be like you know, drinking out of the same cup and like you know washing off a dirty yeah. ping pong ball in like a muddy yeah. cup 
Like, I don't know. I just feel like. And now you can get your party would get shut down for that. Oh, you go to jail. You go to COVID jail for that. (laughs) (laughs) You get reported to the state health association and you get, you get banned, you get canceled. So yeah, it's a different world. Yeah. I I would tell those guys in your college, they're like, it'll work out. Even if you don't get in this year, you'll get in next year. Like, like when you, when you applied, did you get in right away or did you? No, no, no. Uh, no, this was a it was a three year thing for me. So, they, so they, how did how did you get in? Eventually, how did you get in? The way that I got in was I started. I went to this. I uh, went to Midwestern to take classes as a a post back program. Where Some, is that? What, what state? It was in Arizona. Arizona. Okay. So they they offered this they offered this program, and they said uh, you could take classes. And uh, they didn't make any promises, but I knew that I knew that some of the classes were taught by the the same professors that were teaching the medical students. And so the thinking was that you work the system from the inside because I had I really screwed up like my first two years of college. I got uh, I got I got some bad grades in organic chemistry. And then my GPA, like I got straight A's like after, I mean, after uh, maybe not straight A's, but like uh, almost all A's after like, you know, starting junior year. But like if you get a couple D's and C's, you're like you really kill your GPA and you can like you it takes forever. You can you almost can't recover. So So, so why why did you get the D's and C's? Like what what did you do? Like what? Like, well, I think fraternity. Did you just not study? Did you party too much? Like what, what happened? I I think I was really emotionally immature and I just wasn't really making friends and I just didn't adjust well. And mm-hmm. I think that when you if you're socially like not linked up uh you get psychologically like you you know depressed. I think I was like a little bit depressed and I just I just couldn't um I just couldn't study. I, I don't know. I just wasn't. And, and also like the stuff that the classes I was I was taking were also they were very hard and they were not like there it was not. I didn't I didn't really I didn't want to like, you know, I didn't really want to take chemistry. I didn't want to take organic chemistry. I didn't I didn't really enjoy it. And um, what was your uh, major biology? Biology and uh, and then they you could you could major in uh, as pre-med, but I did pre-med bio. So, so you, you know didn't, you, you didn't you didn't appreciate the Golgi apparatus or the uh the well, that, cycle. Well that actually was a little bit better. That was better than at least that was better than organic. Yeah. But you know, I, I don't even even like there was a cool class too, like dinosaurs and extinction. It was a cool class. I don't mean I don't even know if I got an A in that one. You know, I just I really, really struggled until I think finally I figured something out and like junior year, like I had friends and I was like I was on the track and cross country team and I started running better. And, um, you know, if you feel good and if you're kind of happy, then you could be successful. A lot of people think that you need to be successful and then that, and then you become happy. But I think, I think it works the other way around. I think you could kind of like, you try to be happy and, 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 and enjoy what you got. And then I think if you do that, you can, you can, you can become successful you know, but I, I, I think that I'm, what I'm seeing is a lot of students are kind of like 
they have so much pressure on them that maybe maybe for them it's working the other way. Yeah, well, I, I think the best classes I ever took in college were not in my major. So, you know, um, yeah, certain like anthropology courses I just found fascinating. Like, like anthropology you know, just, was pretty cool. I like that. It was yeah. it was just cool. It was just cool to learn about like you know, life isn't the American way. Like life for other people and other places and old cultures, they have these different traditions and the reasons why they have them. And I don't know, I just found it fascinating or, you know, art history or, you know, certain things that were just had nothing to do with the major. I think I liked the best. So um, I would definitely encourage people in college to, uh, you know, if you want to take a, uh, a course on black holes and quasars or, you know, geology or something like that, just, just take it because like, you're there to learn so it doesn't matter what you're learning you might as well you know learn certain things that you you, you never even thought you'd like you you, you might even enjoy so um you know as a college i took economics just to because i was interested in it and it, it was i liked it a lot i ended up getting a minor in it just because i liked it it just you know, for me it just made sense like you know all the different classes that you just that business you know, that's the one thing in medicine, like they don't teach you business at all. So did you? A lot, yeah. A lot now of, that a lot I of, was going to say that's now that's something that I wish I was taught in school about about just some basic stuff about about money, like in college uh, and if not college, like in med, in medical school, they don't teach you anything. They do. They don't. Zero. No. Like zero day one minutes. of medical school is like, all right, sign this here. You, this is what you're going to owe after mm-hmm. four years. Sign here. And then, all right, we'll off, to, off, off to the anatomy lab with you, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just sign a piece of paper. The government's going to pay for you right now, but you have to pay them back later. But Yeah. I I, yeah. I, I was just like, what is the deal? And I'm like, what? we were we were like, well, what are we going to do? I'm like, well, we, you know, we got to do it. You have to do it. You have to do Come it. Come all this but... way. Like, am I going to just say no? I'm not going to like, you know, I worked for this and now I got to do it. Yeah. Well, you, you know, you can't negotiate with uh, med school. You you want in? You, you got to pay that the tuition. There's no negotiating with. But oh, you know, a lot of doctors when they come out, you know, doctors are terrible business people. So because they have no training in business, so you know, they, a lot of guys that I work with who are older, like they make terrible investments and they're working in their seventies and eighties. We one guy was working in his nineties, like he just made terrible investments, like because they don't teach you anything about um, business in med school. So. Um, that's something you got to kind of teach yourself, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. The new guys are, the new guys are onto it. You know, they're like the, the meds, med students are, they already know about like white coat investor and Mr. Money mustache. Like they're, they're, they're onto it early. What's that? I know. I don't know. Mr. Money mustache. What is that? I have no idea what that is. Oh, this is a, he's a, he's a, uh, early retiree who blogs about, uh, personal finance. And uh, he he sort of like was the beginning. I don't know if he was like he helped champion a, a movement of like you know financial achieve financial independence and retire early. And now there's like this mass movement of like you know fire. People want to like people want to just be like oh, escape the rat race and be you know financially free. Yeah, well, yeah, him and uh, and Tim Ferriss, I guess Tim Ferriss is like four hour work week, you know. That kind of Man. stuff. Yeah, but how, how would how would you possibly, as an anesthesiologist in private practice, like work the four hour work week? Like that that's just that's impossible, right? Like like you have to 
like who who does that in medicine? Well, that's like, a, that's uh okay. So so that's a good point because that's doing anesthesia is like you're tr- you're trading your time for an hourly wage, and that's what uh I'm not saying that that's wrong. I'm just saying that's what 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 was talked about in the four hour work week was about trying to own a a business that ran on autopilot that made money while you were asleep. I mean, like, like if you own stocks, you know, stocks make, make money. It's a like passive income, but, uh, but, but yeah, I I think that if you, but it, but as long, so long as you're trading your time for money, you're, you know, you're doing something different and that's okay. That's okay. Like we need, we need people to, to, to practice medicine we need people to do all these other things but it, it I, my advice to people would be like try to try to add something to your uh business repertoire or yeah. your fine or your finance like have a have like an alternate stream of income if you can oh yeah so that's totally. not not just about the you know about your your salary because because you can get in trouble like something could happen you could like you could become injured you may not be able to work, so you yeah. you you, tr- you should try to have something else. Well, I I would tell everyone who who's coming out of med school, you know, it's weird. You you live your whole life and you you have no money, and you're a student, and you're you're scraping by every month, and and then you you know internship, and you're making nothing, and you're you know you're paying rent, and and then all of a sudden you you become an attending, and you're got you're making ten times the amount of money that you made as an intern, so. You think you're like oh, I'm gonna be rich, but re- reality is a lot of people do is they just they just spend ten times the amount of money on you know cars and houses and trips and you know always like just going out to eat and you know going to expensive vacations and stuff. So I would definitely recommend if when you start making money, um, first thing I recommend is you know, every month hey, you pay your mortgage, you pay your rent, you pay your car insurance, but pay yourself a uh, savings every month. So you know, what what five hundred bucks a month, whatever it is, just just pay it into a separate account for a rainy day because it's gonna rain. So you know, I would tell everyone every month just get used to living off of a certain amount, but you gotta pay yourself savings. Uh, second, one, uh, every month. Second thing I would recommend is when you're young and healthy, if you have health insurance, um, a health savings account would be pretty good thing to do when you're young and healthy because most guys and young you know people they don't go to the doctor so you're paying all this money every month for health insurance that you're never really going to use but if you have one of those high deductible plans when you're in your early 20s and mid 20s and you're you know you're never really going to go to the doctor like you might as well put that six thousand dollars a month uh, i'm sorry six thousand dollars a year away for your health savings account so that way when you're you know when you're in your 30s and 40s you, you may change your plan with your employer to a lower deductible plan, but you'll have all that money just sitting in the bank ready to use because eventually someday is going to come. You know, you get married, you have kids, you're going to, your kids are going to break their legs or people can get sick and need operations. That money is just there and you don't have to think about it. It just grows. So that's, those are two things I would tell your, 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 your kids who are thinking about going to medicine and coming out and start making money. Uh, you know, start saving, pay, pay, pay yourself savings every month and, uh, Save, save for your family's health care and your family's health care. Uh, other thing is people don't do is uh, 
their retirement, their 401ks, like max out the match and just max it out. Whoops. Just, just whatever it is, try to max out whatever it is. Cause that stuff just grows. So every seven years, that stuff doubles. So, you know, those three things, I would just highly recommend. That's it. definitely, that's, that is very difficult for uh, like a 21 year old, because I try to tell them if you get, you know, 200 bucks, put it into a Roth IRA and they're looking at me like I'm crazy because they're like 200 bucks. Like, I mean, I don't that like, I don't see 200 bucks. If I have 200 bucks, then I'm it's out the door immediately. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, it, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard for yeah, them. That's totally, it, 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 it seems impossible at the time, but in reality is the, the kids are going to go out to eat and spend 150 bucks on dinner this weekend. You know, we eat a couple of Uber eats and, you know, pizzas and you're there that, you know, so if you're able to just save something every month, whatever it is, just that stuff grows. You know, when I, when I came out, I threw, I remember I threw like $5,000 into an IRA in 2008 when like the market was tumbling. And nowadays that, that, that money's quadrupled. So, so that money is there for retirement. So I could have spent it on something else, but you know, that that's something that you don't think about when you're young, but when you're older or you're in middle age, like you're going to wish it did. Recommend all those guys straight about school and work, work out on your timeline. Like just because you graduate college, it's okay if you don't get into med school. It, it, it'll work out. Volunteer, do research, work at hospitals, work at hospitals that have medical schools affiliated with them. Uh, volunteer, travel, it wouldn't be a bad thing. It's something to talk about. You know, make sure you on your resume you have something to fill in volunteer experience, research experience, uh, where you could be a TA in, um, in college, um, all that stuff matters and kind of, they want the well-rounded applicant rather than, the, the, you know, the guy who just scores high and a test and has nothing really to say. Um, personality goes a long way. Um, if you get waitlisted at school, just call them up every week and just say, Hey, uh, you know, my name's uh, Mike Bulick and, uh, I'm waitlisted. I just want you to know that I um, still want to go. So if uh, anyone, you know, bails out or cancels, I, I'm interested in that. That kind, you know, if you talk to the secretary, they'll put you on the top of the list. So, um, you know, I, I remember when I was waitlisted for my med school, I just called every week for for in May, you know in May I didn't know what I was going to do, and I got waitlisted, and I just called, and in June I got in. So, and I I honestly think that me calling every week, just being nice and polite, and Tell them I'm interested, and if someone else wants to, you know, drops out or need a spot to fill, I'm interested. And you know, I got a phone call in June. I was in school in August, so you know that. But don't give up. Just because you're waitlisted, just uh, tell me you're interested. And that way, you're not just a name on a paper. You're an actual person talking to uh, a human being. And a lot of times, those secretaries and administrators, they're the ones that that pick names out of a hat to to, to get into school. So, um, you know, as long as you're kind and you're courteous and you're uh persistent uh i think it pays off it might be that might be a good place to end it all right man and in the future if you ever want to talk about something else or whatever uh you want to talk to a real life doctor <laughs> talk to a real <laughs> life doctor you you let me know and then we'll chat but yeah well we got to tell if you're one of your students like oh I, talk i want to learn more about uh you know, IRAs for doc, you know, like that kind of stuff, or health savings accounts or whatever. Like, I could do a little research ahead of time and give people like a refresher, like what it is and stuff like that. Like, I remember when I came out, I didn't even know what a 
mutual fund was. Like I had no idea what like a fucking retirement 401k. You no, know, I didn't know any of that stuff. And they, I mean, and they I, don't either. They're like, they're asking these like crazy questions. Like I need, I want to learn how to do taxes. And I was just, yeah. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. Like taxes or uh, filing for a patent or uh, starting your own company or LLCs or, you know, like that kind of stuff. I've done that stuff too. So you let me know what you want to talk about and, I could do a research ahead of time to. Just well, I'm trying sure to like. I'm, I'm trying to get a. I'm trying to get a book deal. That's my thing right now. But yeah. uh, all right. Well, maybe we'll have to. Maybe I have to have you uh, on. Uh, you could do like a little virtual uh, visit to my uh, students. We'll have you guest lecture one day. Do like, like if little... you want to do like how, how do you file a patent? Like how do you fucking apply for a? You know, how do you sign up for four? Oh yeah, the airway airway anchor. How's that doing? By the way. Yeah. It's kind of sitting on, a, it's dying on the vine. Like COVID killed it, man. All the all the people that I was working with either retired or, uh, you know, you know that kind of thing. So I got it's like starting over again. So during that whole COVID thing, like nobody wanted to start put money nobody, into anything. Nobody anything wanted to do anything except mask, 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 mask yeah. make, make mask and make uh, hand sanitizer. That's all they wanted to do. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So. Oh you know, man. Yeah. So it's uh, it's still it's still. It's still going. It's just slow. It's, but you know how it is. Like, I got like 27 other things going on. So I know, saw but... like I was in the hospital uh, the other day at Children's and there was like the respiratory like therapists were like they had they had something like, where's the airway? Like, you know, where's the airway? Like, uh, they didn't say anchor, but they said something else. And I was just like, that looks like I'm like, that looks like your invention. It was like they tends him out to him. So. Yeah, it was like a little bit different, but you know, same idea. Like bulkier and uglier, non sexy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, you know, a lot of times people like I even had like one of the reps come to me one day. He's like, oh, how do you, how exactly do you get that patent thing? And I just like walk him through the steps. I'm like, do this, do this, do this, do this. Hire, you know. And how much does it cost to get a patent? Uh, it was just like attorney fees, a couple thousand bucks. I'll, I'll say I'll, I got three thousand bucks. So, you know, like oh, you know, whatever. Okay. You know, it's not it's not like fifty thousand dollars. It was you know, but not it's all like steps that like I had to do research. Like, oh, who do I do? Like, I got to call a lawyer. Like, what, what do I bring with them? So, you know, like and then oh, I I brought a prototype. Like when I went there, I had a prototype of the drawing and explained it to him. He's like, dude, you like you've done more work than anyone I've ever seen. <laughs> ever. Like <laughs> you know, like you know, people just come to me with ideas like. You like you actually have a plan and a drawing, and here's other patents for similar things, but how yours is different. And you know, he's like, "Oh, it's easy. Okay, oh, yeah, I got it. Okay, can I keep this? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, cool." So, <laughs> but you know, the whole thing is just it just took a while to. It was just like a learning experience, but you know, it's one of those things where like even if it doesn't work out, like, hey, I got a fucking patent. It's designed to me, like you know, like that's fucking bulletproof. Like, how many people in the world could say like a fucking patent my name for not that like, many people can say they yeah. have a patent? No, yeah, it's cool. And it and and the, the the thing that pissed me off is like everyone who uses it loves it. So they're like, they're like, hey man, give me one of those uh, can you send me some of those airway anchor things? Yeah, you yeah, know? you should. You know, you need to buy this thing. Yeah, buy it. Buy Put it. A purchase like... order, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome man well thanks all right man chris we'll dr soon. dr chris x dam thank you so much for for being on the podcast uh giving a giving us a lot to think about all right man thanks for inviting me <laughs> yeah yeah we gotta do it do it again sometime i'll do it whenever you want i'll, I'll uh you know get get some more questions from your students and we'll, and we'll just 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 listen about we'll talk about health savings accounts or retirement funds or 
401ks or whatever they want to talk about. <laughs> All right. All right. All you right. take, hey, have, have a good night. All right. Thanks for inviting me. I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye bye. The information contained in this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only and do not represent any organization and are not intended as financial advice, diagnosis, treatment, or a substitute for professional medical advice. Please consult a local physician or health care professional for your specific health care or medical needs or concerns.